three, two, one. Independence and freedom are often mistaken to be the same thing. I think they're two different things. Independence is your ability to chase a dream, to do what you want, as long as you pay the right fees. Follow the right rules. Follow the right guidelines. Allow yourself to have oversight. Freedom is the ability to walk out the door, wake up in the morning, and do what you want, when you want, how you want to. And that's what this show is about. We're going to be talking about what we want to talk about, how we want to fucking talk about it. I'm going to bring you the truth. I'm going to bring you facts. I'm going to bring you data. Some of it may rub you the wrong way. Some of it may be something you don't even want to hear about. But you can best believe I'm going to tell you the fucking truth about it. I'm going to tell you like it is. This is your host, Christopher Scott Rudder. Difficult than it needs to be, so... Changing it to this format gives me the ability and the freedom to be able to do it first thing Sunday morning for everybody, like a Sunday morning newscast. But at the same time, it does change the dynamic a little bit because obviously I'm not going to be drinking at 10 o'clock in the morning uh, to be doing the show. And that's uh, so that's going to change things a little bit for everybody because everything's going to be a lot quicker and uh, kind of a different uh, way of me presenting it. And I wanted to start this week off with uh, the biggest news stories from the week in the order that I see fit. The first one being um, the CDC. Are you aware that the CDC just came out and said that they mishandled the whole pandemic? If you're not, I've got a clip from uh, Rochelle Lewinsky. She is the director of the CDC. If you haven't seen her before, they've kind of kept her in the background. She's been on TV a few times during the pandemic. But now that Fauci is stepping down, obviously they got to have somebody else who's going to step up and, and be the face of the uh, whatever's going on with the next epidemic, you know, namely monkeypox and whatever comes up after that. So I've got this clip here. We're going to stop a couple times uh, during it uh, just because there's some very interesting points that are made or not made. And uh, you all tell me what it is you think about it. trust what the CD is getting ready to say or what Walensky is getting ready to say. She said we made some very public errors, some dramatic errors with messaging, with data, and with testing. But she didn't go into any specifics. If you go on the CDC's website, you can see the fucking uh, specifics on that. And you can see that I've been correct the whole past two years telling you about what they're lying to you about. The masks never work. The shots were never going to keep you from getting infected. They're never going to keep you from getting sick. Uh, the science of people saying, you know, well, I probably would have ended up in the hospital if I didn't have the shot. We can't prove that. That's not how science works. If you're vaccinated and you get sick, there's no way of determining what other effects you would have for not being vaccinated because you're already vaccinated. 
See, and that it doesn't line up that way with science. So this is one of the biggest gaslighting statements that they put out there for everybody, not to mention the fact that they lied at the beginning. They lied to Trump. They lied to Biden. Told both of them, okay, this is going to keep everybody from getting COVID. Then it was like, okay, well, you're not going to spread COVID. And then they started spreading COVID. And then they're like, well, you're not going to get sick. And then people started getting real fucking sick. And then they're like, well, you're not going to get so sick that you end up in the hospital. And people ended up in the hospital. They're like, well, you're not going to die. That was the whole narrative of the, of the last 18 months leading up to this summer. Whenever Biden threatened everybody with the whole vaccine rollout program, the vaccine mandates, that if you don't get the shot, it's going to be a deadly dark winter for all of us who wouldn't get vaccinated. Good morning, Todd. Good to be with you. Look, for 75 years, CDC and truly all public health in this nation have been preparing for something like the size and scope of COVID-19. I mean, I think we need to recognize that in our today's moment, our performance didn't reliably meet the expectations of this country. And that's exactly why I called for this reset, while I called for this review. We have some extraordinary people at the CDC who are often up all night to protect American health. And my goal really as we hit this reset was to have a new public health action-oriented culture that really emphasizes, as you said, accountability, that emphasizes collaboration with our public health partners across the country, communication to the American public, and timeliness with our information to the American public. Yeah, changing uh, a culture is a pretty big order. I mean, because this- Yes, because telling everybody a whole, over a whole 18-month period, telling everybody time and time again, that you have to wear the mask to slow the spread. Everybody has to get vaccinated for this to work. Uh, natural immunity isn't really a thing. You have to stay six feet apart, closing down restaurants. Um, all of these things that they did were, were not transparent and they repeated it multiple times. So here she is engaging in this double speak. You can tell very much that she is nothing more than an influenced mouthpiece who's gonna provide the same talking points that you're getting ready to hear from all sorts of politicians leading into the into the election in November, you're going to hear a whole lot of repeated talking points. You're going to hear a lot of gaslighting. You're going to hear a lot of almost brainwashing statements because it is going to sit, be said over and over again on so many different platforms with mainstream media. The CDC really is a behemoth. It's, it's a huge organization. organization. So, so how do you specifically go about making it more nimble, making it able to react to problems that we have? Good question. Yeah, there are several things that we're doing even actively right now. We're putting more information out in real time before it's gone through full peer review, but really where we believe this information is reliable and actionable right now. We're also um, establishing new incentives, um, incentives that might have been aligned for promotion for a publication. Now we're um, establishing incentives that are aligned for promotion after public health action, after deploying to a response. So she's basically telling you they're going to incentivize people to come up with good talking points, to rush research, to get themselves published. There's going to be an incentive base to that, which is basically coercion, which is basically bribery for somebody to put out the message that they approve. Okay. This isn't a open publication. This is publication approved by the CDC that they will promote. And with that promoting of their book or material, video, whatever it is, then they also get a promotion within the CDC. 
anywhere else that would be called bribery. Some of the things that we're doing, there are other things that I think we could really um, use congressional help for. For example, some of our authorities within the agency, our ability to pay overtime for our human resource authority, for data to come in, and as has been mentioned before, we can't compel data to come in from the state. When we don't see those data, it's very hard for us to act upon them, and even for us to quickly mobilize contracts um, during times of emergency. So all of these things are on the table as we're, we're really moving to better the agency and to realize their full potential. Let's talk for a second, Dr. Walensky, about monkeypox. Uh, I'm hearing some of the same complaints about monkeypox that we heard about COVID-19, uh, testing, vaccine, slow response. What do you say to people who say, like, I feel like I've seen this movie before? You know, these are two very different infections. Um, one is a respiratory infection. One is a, an infection that is uh, transmitted through skin-to-skin -skin contact. What is interestingly the same about them is that these are two infections. Uh, COVID, we, we knew a little about scientifically. We know a lot more about monkeypox. But this is something most of America, most clinicians, most physicians, most of the community had really Four months ago, we've never seen a reported case of monkeypox enter the United States or be in the United States with a U.S. resident. And you'll see that throughout the rest of this video, she's going to do everything she possibly can to say that 98% of all the reported cases in the United States are homosexual men with multiple partners. God bless. I'm not saying anything wrong with whatever it is that you're doing. Go out there and have fun. Just know that this is the risk that comes with it. And, uh, you know, the other 2% are probably fucking lying. But... With that, with that being said, then they're going to continue to talk about it skin-to-skin -skin contact. And then now scientists are starting to see that this can actually be surface contact as well. If somebody is infected and um, contagious, which means they have the blisters, uh, if they touch anything surface-wise and you come behind them without that being bleached or uh, Lysol or whatever, then... Um, that surface-to-surface -surface contact can transmit itself. They're starting to find that. That's the reason kids are having are starting to pop up with this because they've been in surface-to-surface -surface contact. And here's the crazy thing about this that they're never going to talk about on mainstream media news is this is actually the AIDS epidemic that they promised people my age was going to be back in the 80s and 90s whenever it was huge misinformation about AIDS. They, uh, at the beginning, they weren't able to screen for it. They weren't able to test for it. They didn't even know how to make sure they weren't giving somebody contaminated blood that already had HIV or AIDS uh, in, the, in the blood itself. Uh, we infected tens of thousands of people across the world with um, basically, you know, tainted blood with the, had the virus in it. Uh, they're not going to talk about uh, the how it coincides with what they told us in the 80s, that uh, everybody's at risk. You're in a high-risk area. You can't even live in the same house as somebody who has AIDS. You're going to start hearing this rhetoric come out about monkeypox once the surface-to-surface -surface contamination really starts to spread, um, which it's already starting to do. You can look up on DuckDuckGo. You can look at reports like New York Times, Washington Post. Uh, you can uh, even Google it and find out that there are surface-to-surface or contact tracing uh, situations where monkeypox is being spread. It's not all uh, homosexual men with multiple partners. It's starting to spread from outside of that community. That's whenever it's going to become a full-blown epidemic, and it's not going to take very long once they start reporting on it 
for it to actually explode. Probably on or around or probably a week or two before November 8th. Really never heard of either. And so we have a lot of education, have had a lot of education to do on both of the accounts. We at CDC have had similar challenges with our ability to see the data. Again, our states and jurisdictions are not compelled to share those data with us. We do have plenty of testing on hand for monkeypox, um, uh, but it does require a rash in order to be tested. Remember the daily ticker whenever COVID was going on and the whole pandemic was happening? Remember the daily ticker that showed you reported cases and deaths? It was like an ongoing bottom line uh, ticker on ESPN. It went on for months. It went on for months and months and months. It probably went on for the better part of 18 months from 2020 to the end of 2021. We came out of it this year needing other news items because the de deadly dark uh, uh, winter that everybody who was unvaccinated was supposed to experience never actually materialized. As a matter of fact, the people who were getting sick and dying were people who were vaccinated. So part of what we've been doing is talking to community members, those most likely to get infected with monkeypox, and then also talking to clinicians about what to look for so that they know how to do the test. Let's talk quickly about boosters. Everybody, a lot of people I know say I'm vaccine boosted, but they were vaccine boosted a long time ago, so it may be time for yet another booster. There's a time for yet another booster. I forgot about that or I've been saying it for the past 18 months. I don't know, I can't remember exactly how it's supposed to go here, but pretty much it has been predicted by this show and by many other shows uh, since the beginning of the year, whenever the mandates uh, were starting to slow down, at least publicly, there are a lot of groups, there are a lot of organizations, a lot of corporations who still require people to get vaccinated. Uh, but at the same time, the whole booster conversation has gone away all year. We're all worried about, well, should I get vaccinated for monkeypox? The boosters are getting ready to roll out again. Omicron version 5A and 4B are getting ready to ramp up. Uh, here in Southern Indiana, we've gone into the red count twice in the past three weeks. The new booster that's supposed to be coming out to conquer that new variant. Do you suggest that people wait until that booster is available before they get up to date? Yeah, so I would say there's never a bad time to go ahead and get your booster if you're eligible. Um, if you're over the age of 50 and you haven't gotten that second booster, you can still go ahead and get it now. As you mentioned, um, Pfizer just yesterday put forward an application to the FDA for the bivalent booster. This is the booster that we're expecting in the fall. Um, I will get ahead, of course, of the FDA's action here. As soon as the FDA would take action, we as CDC will also be prepared to take action. Um, and of course... So she's greenlighting it. Okay, we're ready to go ahead and put this thing in place. For whatever cases start going up again, um, we're going to have a shot ready for everybody. And uh, just so everybody knows, if you're not familiar with Dr. Walensky, uh, she is a shareholder of both Pfizer and Moderna. She used to previously work on the board for Pfizer. So there's no conflict of interest here, not at all. Nobody's saying there's any improprieties or anything like that uh, with this uh, lady. Um, she's doing everything above board. She gives clear communication. She's transparent with the public, transparent with the press. As you can see, she just left out about 12 key significant talking points 
if we're really going to talk about these subjects, this is the clarity that people need. Because there's too many people like me who already know these details. So why aren't you being transparent enough to at least satisfy people who know what's going on, people who are truly informed, not being spoon-fed? What the mass media is actually telling everybody. It's unfortunate that this is continuing to happen and it's going to be going on with many other subjects uh, that I'm getting ready to show you. I'm going to talk to you about one thing that did happen here over the past weekend. Um, actually, a couple of things. I'll go ahead and just be honest about it. I've got two things lined up here for everybody. So that way you can see our wonderful press house secretary doing everything she possibly can to not actually answer any questions and to um, basically talk down to the American people and the White House correspondents from multiple different um, sources or different platforms, I should say. You're going to see two videos back to back here. We're going to see Miss um, uh, Jean Pierre, Pierre uh, doing her best work. What we are saying is that the, the work that this administration has done, the work that Democrats in Congress have done, is actually there. And you see that the $1.7 trillion uh, deficit and deficit uh, deduction that you see is, is going to benefit us in being able to do something for the middle class, to do something for the middle class. This is about doing something for people who make less than $125,000, $1.7 trillion. That's what we've been able to do. But when you forgive debt, you're not just disappearing debt. Somehow or another, the number has gone from $300 billion, which is about $20,000 per person who has uh, different loans and also I think one of the caveats they tied to it is you also had to qualify for a Pell Grant. Um, but all in all, the numbers coming in at roughly $300 billion for this project. Now, all of a sudden, it's $1.7 billion because she's tying it into the uh, uh, Inflation Act. That's what, 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 and then I'll and some emotion as well. We're going to do this smart. We're going to do what's best for people. 
by saying that, that makes a lot of people say, well, they've got my best intentions in mind, uh, um, but uh, they still won't explain exactly how they're doing it. And because all of this work that this president has done is actually has brought down our deficit by $1.7 trillion, unlike what Republicans did when they added to the deficit just a trillion dollars and did not care at all or thought about how this was going to be paid for, they did not actually put in a process or thought to think about how we're going to do this in a smart way. This is not how this administration is doing it. Again, we are happy to continue to have this conversation, but I so that's one way to look at it here's another press conference with her and her answering questions the same way just on a different subject and um, <laughs> it's just amazing to me that so many people want to defend what's going on and this happened with the last administration as well this isn't anything new this isn't anything unique this is basically what each administration does. They blame the last administration for raising the deficit while they have lowered it. And it's basically an accounting trick. What they do is they say, hey, we're gonna spend $2 trillion and then it comes in and they actually only spend 1.8. They say, we saved $200 billion. No, you didn't. You still spent $1.8 trillion in everything as we all know in government budgets is horribly overpriced. I mean, they pay uh, $1,285 for hammers. They pay $7,000 for toilets. But let's watch this and you tell me what you think about it. I mean, that should come in. Yeah. Uh, it's something we're going to get in more and more. That phrase is something the president's going to kind of be more Or is there anything that it was uh, you know, they're impromptu and it's going to turn into a kind of basket of deplorable seeming regrets and then try to be quiet about it. Look, I was very clear when, uh, when laying out uh, and defining uh, what, uh, you know, MAGA Republicans have done and you look at the definition of fascism and you think about uh, what they're doing in, in attacking our democracy, what they're doing in taking away uh, our freedoms, uh, taking away, wanting to take away our rights, our voting rights. I mean, that is what that is. It is very clear. And that's why he made that, um, that, uh, that, that powerful speech uh, that they heard uh, from him last night. And he has not shied away from saying that. You would have heard him uh, maybe not use that specific word, but you have heard him uh, certainly use that de definition. Um, and look, what we, again, what we are putting before the American people is, is a choice. Right, uh, and it is clear. There's a clear contrast of what is happening on that, that side of the aisle and what's happening on our side. We're congressional Democrats, and what we have been delivering for the American people, and we're the and we're the. There, she has to set the stage, and she has to divide the country. What they're doing on that side of the aisle, what we're doing on this side of the aisle. We make you feel good. They take your freedoms. Name two freedoms that were taken away from you in the past six years? I'll wait, because the first answer is gonna be Roe v. Wade. They took away the right to abortion. Who was in office whenever that happened? I'll wait. <clears throat> the Senate-led, or the, uh, the Senate and the House both have Democratic majority. 
what things were put in place by either of them to uphold it or block it or try to make it an actual constitutional right. What movements were made there? I'll wait, because there were not. Now name any other freedoms that were taken away from them. The ability to go to school, the ability to work, the ability to leave your house, the ability to keep your job without being forced to do something, namely take a shot, the ability to go out in public without wearing a mask. Those are freedoms that were taken from us. Who was in office for that and who supported it? Both Trump and Biden. All of the Democrats that are in power now were in power then. They had the majority of both, both the House and the Senate. And they're setting up the, separate, the separatist talk, this almost civil war speak, that they want to have two different pride, uh, tribes and they want it to be as separated as humanly possible. We do this, we do the things that make you feel good. They do the things where they take things from you. But nobody can really run down the, the actual points of what the right side or the left side is actually given to you But everybody can name a lot of things that both the right side and the left side has taken from people. It falls on both sides of the fence. And that's the reason with the hashtag vote them all out 2022 movement. What we continue to talk about that with that is having a youth movement, getting rid of these 70 and 80 year olds who have been there forever and ever. Having a readjustment in values, people who have been there for the past few years and have made money being in political office. They've made an, an exorbitant amount of money. They need to be gotten rid of. We need to have a couple first-timers put in place there. People who are there to make money, people who are actually there to engage in the political and government system to make actual change for you and I. Someone who's a lot more closer to being the common man like you and I are versus the elitist like a Pelosi, like a Biden, like a McConnell, like Crenshaw, like Trump. We don't need any more elites. We need more common people. They want to do everything they can to separate that narrative. They want to do everything they possibly can to, to make these talking points um, be the exact opposite of bipartisanship. It's you versus me. I suffered, so you have to suffer. You like the orange man, you're bad. Or you like Biden, you're bad. This separation within our country has to stop. And if we don't stop it, then the next couple of years are going to be really, really bad for everybody. So um, with all that being said, I want to talk to something that's a little bit more social, so to speak. Did you see this on Joe Rogan last week? Have you heard about it? If you haven't heard about it, ask yourself, why haven't you fucking heard about it? Let me get this stupid pop-up to drop down here. Facebook used its algorithm to suppress Hunter Biden laptop articles for seven days in 2020 and that FBI warned his team of an impending Russian disinformation dump before the story broke. Mark Zuckerberg has admitted Facebook made a mistake when it decided to ban the sharing of the New York Post report on Hunter Biden's laptop. News broke just ahead of the 2020 election, but Facebook made sure the story would appear towards the bottom of people's news, news feeds for up to a week. This was at the behest of the FBI. So this weaponization or this political 
attachment of the FBI to one party or another to help someone else get elected. That sounds like kind of a common story that we're having to deal with right now with the raid in Marlogo. Marlogo, sorry. <laughs> Why is this continuing to happen over and over again and everybody's completely ignoring the fact that it's being led and being brought about by one specific party against another? <clears throat> And then whenever the Republicans get in office, they've already threatened they're going to do the same thing. So it's never going to change if we have this two-party system and we don't flush it all out and replace it with new people, inexperienced people who are eager to serve the public, people who aren't waist-deep in money from special interest groups. Again, speaking on the Joe Rogan Experience podcast, Zuckerberg said he regretted Facebook's response to the story, which turned out to be true. The whole Hunter Biden thing was not a Russian hoax. It wasn't a Russian info info dump. It was a real story that had real meat, and it showed and spoke to the integrity of the presidential candidate, Joe Biden. Now, they said the same thing in 2016 about Trump, but it never came true. None of it that they told us was happening was has ever been proven to be true. They've had six years now, and they still can't prove it's true. Still can't. During the interview, Zuckerberg attempted to shift attention by repeating how Twitter prohibited the sharing of the story about Hunter Biden. Yes, uh, Twitter banned a lot of people for stories that they were covering. And Facebook uh, jumped a whole bunch of people down on the algorithm, um, myself included. If you spoke out about the vaccine, if you spoke out about the fact that there are vaccine injuries, if you spoke out about Hunter Biden and election tampering, you would either get banned or restricted or completely dropped up, dropped out. I was both banned and restricted on Facebook and on Twitter and on Instagram. That's the reason I have channels that are getting ready so that way they can go up on Gitter and True Social and Twitch and Rumble, uh, platforms that don't restrict speech. So with that being said, the best news of the week has actually come about, and I just wanted to share some clips from the past of our dear friend, our savior. It's finally happening. Dr. Fauci announced Monday that he will resign as director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases after spending more than half a century in government, prompting Republican detractors to question his timing following his perceived double talk during the COVID-19 pandemic, which you know if you've been watching the show or listening to the show for any length of time, you know that I have pointed these items out. I have played videos, I have played the sound on many interviews where he talks one way about the exact same thing that he's telling you has to work differently now that the pandemic is going on and he can have control over people and he can make money off of Pfizer and Moderna and Johnson and Johnson. <sighs> Fauci gained national attention during the COVID-19 pandemic, including acknowledging having to stand up to former President Trump. He was the impetus for Operation Warp Speed to make sure that the vaccines were rolled out with an emergency authority so that way they'd be exempt from any lawsuits and they would be completely protected regardless of what kind of injuries happened. And this is on the heels of 
The emails from Fauci uncovered via the Freedom of Information Act show that he said, the typical mask you buy in the drugstore is not really effective in keeping out the virus. Even as mask mandates were commonplace nationwide for long periods of time. You remember that, right? right? We all remember that? I sure hope you remember it because the opportunity is gonna come up for them to revisit this again and make you do it again unless you remember this and say, no, I've already been through this. I've seen this many, many different times. As a matter of fact, here's a compilation of videos I'm gonna take you through one at a time showing you many different decades and you're gonna hear the exact same speak that you heard on this past one, this past pandemic. This guy has been priming and chomping at the bit and salivating over the opportunity to become the czar over whatever pandemic is going on. And it's been going on since the early 80s. Here he is. Across America. Gotta love those 80s graphics, right? Fuck tight. The AIDS connection. In this segment, we will talk about the global dimension of AIDS and its impact on the United States. AIDS is spreading worldwide, but how great is the threat? Should we close that border? We'll hear opinions from people all around the country. So obviously AIDS is an internet. Funny how different news presentation has changed. This is from 1985. Should we close our borders? Hear how they're trying to present things in a pretty clear way. And also, for those of you who aren't old enough to have lived through this, there was a period of time where people were shitting their fucking pants over the fear of AIDS. We knew nothing about it. We couldn't test for it. We couldn't screen for it. We barely understood how and why people were getting it. And yet, listen to this panel of experts. or any council or, or <laughs> anybody, any staffer of any kind coming on major news networks in the past six years and making that statement and still being in politics? Now, to that, I think, unfortunately, it's probably a little bit uh, emphasis in the wrong direction. Frankly, in terms of 